All right, so um, I didn't say this earlier, I'm Dave, I'm the lead pastor here. If you're visiting today, if it's your first time, welcome to Connect Church. I really hope you enjoy your time with us this morning. Um, Have you ever done something and right after you did it, you're like, oh man, that was a mistake. You've done something and you're like, I will never do that again. I I, I can't believe I did that. That was a real dumb move. I'm never going to do something like that again. Maybe um, you've you've sent an email and you thought you were just replying to one person, but you were replying to hundreds of people and you sent an email to like everyone in the office. Have you ever done that? Um, Do you remember when Twitter first came out? Maybe some of you were on Twitter and um, there was that option to like post something publicly or you could direct message people, but it was really easy to, to do one one or the other, and there were people who were thinking they were sending a personal message to one person, and it was going to the whole world. Everyone got to read whatever this private thing was. Maybe you've texted someone, and right after you sent the text, you're like, oh no, I sent that to the wrong person. They, they're going to be like, what are they? In fact, I actually sent that to the wrong person, and it's about that person. <laughs> this, you know, there's just no undelete. There's just no option to, to, to back away from that, is there? You're like, I am never going to do that again. I can remember, uh, this is a few years back, we were in England, Casey and the family and I, and uh, I get to drive my mum's car when I'm back in England, and her car runs on diesel. And I remember, um, I, I, I'd never done this. Never. But I pull in the gas station one day, or the petrol station as it is in England, and pull up to the pump, and I fill up. And if you're not aware of this in England, I mean, I I turn around and it's like $100 worth of, I mean, that's how much it costs to fill a car with petrol in England. And as I hang the pump back up, I realize that I'm hanging the gas pump, not the diesel pump. And I've just put $100 worth of gas in a car that has a diesel engine. I'm like... So I had to pay some mechanic, and then he drained all the fuel. I didn't get that back. That was $100 gone. So, uh, and then put diesel in. I mean, it's just a, and I tell you what, once I'd done that once, I have never done it again. (laughs) Every time I pull up to the pump, I'm like double checking, triple checking. I mean, when you do something like that, when you do the text thing, you really work hard, don't you, to make sure that you never make that mistake again. And right now, I can see some nods around the audience, so I know you're all thinking of the the stories where this has happened to you. So over these last few weeks, we've been in a series, and it's called Turn Down the Drama. And we're talking about the drama that's in our lives, and and many of us see it both on our Facebook feed and in our families and in our workplace and our community. Um, And sometimes we can't do much to prevent the drama, but there are ways we can turn it down. We've talked about the fact that anger and pride are big um, catalysts in drama, and we we can seek to have humility and love, and that'll help turn down the drama in our lives. Last week, we talked about the idea that When drama comes, how do I deal with that? If there's drama between me and a friend or me and a family, family member, how do I deal with that? And we talked about um, conflict and how it's better to confront in love than to gossip in hate. And so this week, as we wrap up the series, I want to talk about what I feel is probably the most important aspect of this series. When it comes to drama, I really felt like this was the the biggest issue we have to tackle. And it's the idea of learning from drama. Drama's going to come, but do we learn from the drama in our lives? In fact, I'm going to be honest with you here this morning. As I went to work on this message, I found I had so much to say on this important topic that the more I prepared my notes and the more I wrote, the more I realized that it was going to be really hard to fit it all in this morning's message. So I knew I had a couple of choices. I could speak for an hour and a half, 
and just keep it all in there. And some of you are chuckling now, thinking, I hope he's kidding. Um, do you know, last Sunday, Casey told me, actually Sunday night, that uh, sometimes on a Saturday, we'll talk about what I'm speaking about on a Sunday morning. She'll say, yeah, you can't say that. Oh, yeah, that's good. Um, but we'll go through my message. And last Saturday night, we were talking about it right before we went to bed. And she said that Saturday night when she was asleep, she dreamt that the following morning at church, I was speaking and I just didn't stop. I just kept going on and on. And she said, in this dream, people were getting up and leaving. And she said she was sat in the front row going, Oh, seriously, enough. So, um, so I think that nightmare was kind of preparing me for this morning. Don't speak for an hour and a half. They won't stay. So, so here's the idea I had. You know, I thought, here's what I'll do. I'll start out the message this week, and then we'll have part two next week. So I've broken it up into two services. So I'm going to leave you on a cliffhanger this morning. We are going to get right to this point. You'll be like, Dave, what's the answer? I'll be like, you'll have to come back next week to find out. So, so it's a two-part message about the idea of learning about drama in our lives. Because here's why I think this is such a big subject. Because I think there are some of us here this morning that as we've gone through this series on drama, deep down you've kind of asked yourself, why is it that the same kind of drama just seems to happen again and again in my life? Why is it that I always seem to be dealing with this, this same pattern of drama, this same situation? It just seems to kind of recur again and again. Why is that? Why is it that I found myself in shape financially? I'd got everything figured out. I'd paid off all the bills. The credit card bills were all paid off. And then just all of a sudden, it seems that we're back in debt again. How did that happen? How did I end up with these, these credit card payments again and maxed out on my credit cards? Maybe it was that, that job. You quit that job. Maybe you were fired from that job. And you found yourself saying, how did I get caught up in that? I, I, it was another bad boss. Why is it I always seem to have these employers who are just bad bosses? Seriously, I've got the worst luck. There's always drama in my workplace. I just always end up in the wrong place. Maybe you find yourself uh, maybe here in the student section. What is it with me and teachers? I've got another teacher who just seems to have it in for me. He's like he's fine with everyone else in the class, but he always seems to be tougher on me. Why do I have to deal with drama all the time with my teachers or my professors? Or maybe this morning you say, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Another relationship has come to an end. How is it that I always manage to pick the wrong people? My last six relationships have all ended in drama. Why can't I find a good person? Why do I always manage to pick the losers? What is it that all these people I've dated have got in common? Well, I'll tell you what they've all got in common. You. They dated you. You worked for that company. You had that teacher. That's what's in common. And sometimes we look at these situations and say, why does this keep happening to me? And maybe the answer is sat right in your seat this morning. Because you see, I think the problem is that rather than learn from the drama in our lives, we just take it right into the next relationship or the next job or the next class or the next project or the next stage of life. And then we wonder, why is it that this same drama seems to be showing up again? You know, one of the wisest people that ever lived was a man named Solomon. He lived thousands of years ago, and he wrote um, several books in the Old Testament of the Bible. And one of them is a collection of these, these proverbs, these wise sayings that this great man Solomon came up with. 
I came across this one as I was preparing for this message. Listen to this. He says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. Good, huh? Now, some of you this week, you're going to go to Hallmark, and they've got that section with religious cards and the motivational verses in the bottom. You think, I wonder if this one's in there. Probably not. This probably won't be in the Hallmark section, okay? But it's a good verse. Because the meaning here is very powerful. Now, as I was looking at this verse and thinking about it, I got a little confession to make, okay? I have to tell you here this morning, I'm not a dog person, okay? I'm sorry. I'm a cat person. I know. I know. I've just lost half of you right now. You'll never return to connect again, but, uh, but I'm not. I also uh, enjoy playing soccer and don't like country music, so that's it. You'll all be gone next week, so... Um... <laughs> But, but that's who I am. So, so when it comes to dogs, I kind of you know, think they're a, bit, a little bit silly sometimes. They seem to be crazy. And I know you're sitting there going, Dave, seriously, cats, they are so stuck up. I know, I know. Cats have their issues too. But when it comes to dogs, okay, and I'm sure some of you have seen this happen. Maybe you own a dog and you've walked in and your dog's just thrown up on the kitchen floor. And you're like, oh, no. And you're looking, you're you know, you're like, your gag reflex is going because there's like dog vomit on the kitchen floor. And, and, and just when it can't get any worse, you see your dog go up and he starts to sniff it. And then he starts to, and now it's like, <laughs> my dog's eating his own vomit. Why would he do that? So I Googled this and it's a very natural phenomenon. Apparently dogs, uh, uh, this is normal. You know, sometimes they don't digest their food properly. They throw up, they'll re-ingest it or they have a very powerful nose and they're able to smell the food in it. And, but still, even though naturally and biologically it may be normal, to us looking on, to Solomon looking on, it's like, that is gross. Why would that dog go back to something that made it sick in the first place, that upset its stomach in the first place, and re-consume it? Solomon's saying that's a little bit like some of us who, when we do something foolish, we just go and do it again. That's how silly that is to go and repeat the same mistakes that we've been through in the past. How is it, though, that I can make sure that I never put gas in a diesel car again, but when it comes to those big areas of drama in our lives, we just don't seem to learn, do we? I've come to the conclusion that it seems that in the areas that matter the least, we seem to learn the most, but in the areas that matter the most... We seem to repeat our mistakes. I'll say that again. And it seems that in the areas that matter the least, we seem to learn the most. But in the areas that matter the most, we seem to repeat our mistakes. We see that drama occurring time and time again in finances and relationships and parenting and leadership and romance. This drama constantly repeating ourselves. So why is that? Why does this happen? Well, I've got a couple of ideas here of why this happens. The first is what I've called the experience myth. Okay, the experience myth. The experience is that experience will always make me wiser. Experience will make me wiser. After getting fired from that job, I won't get fired again because I have much more experience now. After that messy breakup, this next relationship will be so much better because experience has made me wiser. Let me tell you what I've learned about experience. My dad and I, my dad loves to play golf. So when he's over here, uh, sometimes we'll go out and play golf together. And um, sometimes he'll hit the ball and he'll make a mistake. He'll hook it to the right or the left and he'll go, oh, Mick, because that's his name. And um, as, he, as he hits it the wrong way, he'll say, oh, Mick, you, you lifted your head or you didn't keep your arm straight, or you took your eye off the ball. He's, he always knows what he did that caused that to happen. 
There's a big difference between the way my dad plays golf and the way I play golf. When I'm playing golf, I'm standing here, it's like a big lake I've got to get over. I'm thinking, I want to get this ball over that lake. So I hit the ball, and it goes in the lake. And I think, okay, I need to hit another ball. So I set my second ball down, and I think, okay, this time, I'm not going to do that. Bang, splash, again. (laughs) Happens every time. Here's the difference between the way my dad plays golf and the way I play golf. My dad knows why he did something wrong. He corrects it. I have no idea why I went in the lake. I have no idea why sometimes I hit it, and it doesn't go in the lake. I hate golf. It's just the craziest game. You see, experience does not make you wiser. Evaluated experience is what makes you wiser. Experience alone won't make any of us wiser, but evaluated experience, pausing to say, what did I do wrong there? Why did that happen? What can I learn from that? How can I do that different next time? Many of us have got lots of experience, but I wonder how many of us have sat down to evaluate that experience and to learn from that experience and become wiser. The second myth, the first is the experience myth. The second myth is the time myth. The time myth. Instead of learning from our drama and evaluating our experiences, we we find ourselves um, kind of agitated and anxious because we feel that time is against us. I know that relationship ended badly. I know there was a lot of drama, but, but, but now I need to be with someone else. I'm not getting any younger here. A lot of my friends are dating and married, so I need to get into another relationship quickly here. Time is against me. We had a couple of weeks ago a message we watched on the video from a, a guy by the name of Andy Stanley, and he talks about, in a message I heard him speak on once, a couple at his church, and this couple works exclusively with couples who are getting married, but couples who have been in previous relationships. So maybe one or both the couples had been divorced, and now they were getting remarried, and this couple that counsels them, they themselves are on their second marriage. They feel as followers of Jesus, they have some insight and some wisdom that they can prepare, because if you're going into a relationship and you're coming out of a broken relationship, there are some more obstacles, there are some more hurdles that need to be overcome, so this couple helps counsel them. Andy Stanley said, this couple says that we always tell them time is your friend. Time is not your enemy. Sometimes we rush from one drama into the next situation of our lives, and and time is our friend. Time is a period of, 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 of time where we can stop and we can evaluate what went wrong, what happened. Paul says, he's writing to the Romans, he says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What Paul is saying here is that in every drama in our lives, if we're willing to allow him to, God can show us how it can be used for good. God can take anything, any mess, any messy breakup, a situation where you lose a job, any of these, a financial difficulty, And if you'll allow time to sit and evaluate and take that time, you can learn through this. You can grow through this. But it's going to take time, and it's going to take some discipline to evaluate that experience. So as we evaluate that experience, as we look back on those dramas that just seem to be repeating themselves time and time again, 
We're going to look at three steps that we can take, three steps to help us in the time we have to evaluate that experience. And this morning, we're going to look at step one. Then I'm going to leave you kind of hanging, and we're going to come back next week to look at steps two and three. So step one, if you want to move through, if you want to move on, if you want to learn from your drama, the very first step you have to take is to own it. You've got to own it. Now, here's why that isn't easy. Even as I just shared this this morning, some of you like kind of winced a little bit, and I know why. Because it wasn't your fault, was it? I mean, seriously, this wasn't my fault. He was the one that did this. She's the one that left. It was the economy. It was affecting all of us. It was this. It was that. And we come up with whatever reason we need to show that this drama wasn't our fault. Because it's a much better story, isn't it, when we can tell the story of why this happens. That's a much easier story to tell. That's a much more fun story for us to tell. But here's the deal this morning. I believe that your best bet for a drama-free future is to own your share of the drama in your past. If you want a drama-free future, you're going to have to own your share of the drama in your past. So why do we find that so hard? Why is that so difficult? It seems so easy conceptually, but man, is it hard to live out. Well, I'll tell you why. It kind of all starts back in the beginning. If you go back to the very beginning of the Bible, um, Moses wrote the book of Genesis, and he writes in there the creation story. He talks about Adam and Eve, how God created this beautiful world for us to live in. Paradise, everything was perfect. And he created man, and then he created um, Eve to be his partner. And they were to live in this beautiful, sin-free, unbroken world to be in community and in relationship with God. It was just a wonderful place. It was a real simple life they lived. God really just, he didn't give them a whole list of laws and a whole group of 10 commandments or anything like that. He just said, hey, I need you just to be fruitful and multiply. Just get out there and enjoy this creation. Be fruitful, multiply. It's going to be a, a wonderful life. And then just to establish the fact that, that he was God, he, 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 he put one rule in place. One rule. He says, you can eat whatever you want. Eat from any tree. But this tree here, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat from this tree. You can read this in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. It says, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him. You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So they could do whatever they want. They could eat from whatever tree they want except for that one. Now, if you're the parent of a kid this morning, you know how that works, right? Okay, guys, you can play out in the yard and you can do anything you want. Just just stay out of that area over there. Hey, you can, you can stay home. You can do anything. Just don't touch the stove. I mean, what do your kids do? It's like that. It's almost the first thing they do. Why? <laughs> you come back. There's, there's mud. Were you ever in that area? It's like once you say this is the one thing you can't do, it's like they're just drawn. We're drawn to doing it, aren't we? And this is why it's kind of in our nature. And that's what happened. 
Adam and Eve had one tree that they weren't to eat from, and they ate from the one tree that they weren't to eat from. And as a result, the Bible says that sin enters the world, that this world that we now live in is broken, that there's a separation between us and God, that Jesus had to come and die on a cross and rise again so that we could have that relationship restored, all because of one choice that brought this thing called sin into the world. And listen to what happens, and this is really interesting because you'll start to see how this happens in your life too. Listen to how it played out in the lives of Adam and Eve. So sin has entered into the world, this perfect world that God has created is broken, and we read this in Genesis chapter 3 verse 8. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. The first thing they did when they realized they'd done something wrong is they hid. Shame was there for the very first time. They they hid themselves from God. Do you want to know why drama seems to follow you from one job to the next? Why drama seems to be in every relationship that you're in? It's because you're hiding something. There's something in you that that rather than owning it, you're you're hiding it. You're telling a different story and and you're hiding that little part of, of something that's making a difference and that's causing that pain in your life. It's as true for us today as it was for Adam and Eve. Listen to how uh, God um, greets them. He says that the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Now listen, God knew where they were. It's not like he was clueless. You know, he knew exactly where they were. He, he wanted them to respond. He wanted them to hear their answer. So man replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked, the Lord God said. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Again, God knows the answer at this point to this question, but he's giving Adam the opportunity to respond. He wants to know how Adam feels about what he's done. And this is how Adam responded when he was confronted by God. Have you eaten from the tree um, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, yes, I have. And I take full responsibility for my actions. Treat me however you want. But leave Eve out of this. This was, this was all my fault, not hers. Yeah. yeah. Some of you are chuckling here this morning because you grew up going to Sunday school and you know that that is not the way that Adam responded. That's the way Adam should have responded. But no, listen to how he responded. When God asked Adam what happened, it says, the man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. You know why this happened? It was that woman that you gave me. There are three people here and two of them to blame. Her and you. I'm the only one here who didn't mess up. Come on, I I think you both owe me an apology here. In that moment, Adam has the audacity to blame Eve and God. It's your fault. You gave her to me. Rather than take any kind of responsibility for his actions. So then God talks to Eve. I'll tell you whose fault it was. It was that serpent. Who creates a snake? Come on, it's it's the serpent's fault. Blame, blame, blame. Now here's the interesting part of this story. 
what Adam told God about Eve, it was actually true. She had given him the fruit to eat. What Eve told God about the serpent, that was true too. He had tempted her. But it wasn't the whole truth, was it? What they told God was just part of the story. She made me eat You put it here. That, that was part of the story. Here's what Adam left out. He left out the part that should have said, well, I knew it was wrong, but I did it anyway. Maybe Eve left out the part where she would say, there was, there was this voice inside me telling me I really shouldn't do this. God has told me not to eat this, but I actually chose to ignore that voice and give it a try anyway. It's not that they didn't lie. In their blame, they just didn't tell the whole story. And when we walk away from the drama in our lives, we're very quick, aren't we, to tell some of the story. He did this. It was his temper. He was always flying off the handle. She caused this. She's the one that cheated on me. This is why that happened. And, and even though it may have been small, we refuse to own our part of the story. And like Adam and Eve, we hide. We hide that part of our story. We point the finger and we blame. And pretty soon we start to believe that that is the whole story. That it was all their fault, none of my fault. And if we're not prepared to own our part of the drama, you can be sure that this drama will be taken into your next job, your next relationship, the next phase of your life. You see, blaming others feels so good at the time. It's such a better story to tell. But what will happen is you'll find yourself asking, why am I dealing with this again? Why does this job feel so much like the last one? It's a different boss, but I seem to have these same issues. I chose to date or marry this guy because he was so much different than my ex. But why is it that I'm dealing with that same drama again that I had in my previous relationship? It's because we didn't take the time to evaluate the experience and discover what part of the drama I needed to own. So how do we do this? How do we own our part of the drama in our lives? Well, I'm going to give you a really practical exercise that you can do today. If I challenge you to do it today, because if you wait till tomorrow, you'll be like, ah, that's, I've already forgotten what he was talking about, so I'm off the hook. I want you to go home and get a piece of paper, and I want you to draw a circle on your piece of paper. Okay, this circle represents your drama circle. Okay, this is the drama in your life. Now, in your drama circle, what you're going to do, once you've drawn that circle on a piece of paper, you're going to go back to that relationship or to that time of your life when that, that drama occurred, and you're going to assign some blame, Okay, you're going to divide this circle to determine how much they were to blame and how much you were to blame. So maybe your circle will look a little bit like this. You know, you'll say, well, you know, it was 50% him, but it was, it was 50% me. Let's be honest, none of your circles are going to look like that, are they? I mean, maybe they look a little bit like this, but even if this was your circle, it was, it was 25% my fault, but the majority was, was his fault. You know, I mean, that's even great. See, I have a sneaking suspicion that some of you are going to go home and you're going to do this and you're going to draw that circle and you're going to say, okay, I, Dave, I, I'm willing to admit that maybe there was a part of that drama that was my fault. And this is what your circle will look like. I, yeah, I mean, he was completely at fault, but maybe I could have responded differently. 
Yeah, I mean, the economy was awful. Everyone was losing their jobs. It was just a terrible time to be in that particular industry. But you know what? I, I guess maybe I could have done something a little bit different. I guess I could have, you know, done something in this area. And it may just be like a sliver of that piece of pie, but you're, you're willing to say, you know what? I'm willing to own that little bit. Now, here's where we've got to be careful. When we do that and we look at this circle, we think, well, I'll own that, but um, compared to them, my part is really small. And it is. But I don't want you to look at it as 5% and 95%. What I want you to do is say, I'm going to take 100% responsibility for my 5%. I'm going to take 100% responsibility for that small slice of the pie that, that was my part of the journey. I'm drama. I'm going to own that. I'm going to take that and I'm going to see how I can work through that, how I can change that in me. How I can make sure that I don't take that into my next relationship. How I can make sure that I don't take that into my next job, into my next stage of life. Now, some of you already, you're, you're kind of struggling with this a little bit because you're thinking, well, hang on. If I do that, it kind of lets them off a hook a little bit. It makes out that they weren't completely at fault. It means that I have to own some of this. Exactly. <laughs> They may have been completely wrong. The way they treated you could have been completely out of line. That situation, that job, it could have been awful the way you were treated. And you are very right to feel, feel bad about it. But it's looking at that and saying, but what part of that drama can I... I'm really on the edge of a sneeze here. I'm so sorry. Oh. What part of that drama can I own? What can I do with my small slither and then choose to own it? And once you've owned it, what do you do next? Well, if you come back next week, you're going to find out because we're going to work through steps two and three next week. So some of you are like, seriously, Dave? I feel like you just plunged a knife into the wound and you've cut out the poison and now you're like, okay, and come back next week and I'll teach you how to stitch it up and put a bandage on it. Now I'm just going to bleed profusely. Well, yeah, yeah, this is a big part. And just this week, you can say, God, show me the areas. I'm fed up of this drama. Keep repeating itself time and time again in every relationship I'm in, in every uh, job I'm in, in every stage of life. I don't want this drama to keep repeating itself. Help me to determine, God, which part of it is me, even if it was only a small part. God, I want to try and own that part of the drama. As I choose to own it, I think after we talk about what we're going to talk next week, I can move forward and that drama will stay in the past. It won't come with me into my next relationship or the next stage of my life. Let's pray. Father, as we talk through this series, Lord, I just... I find more and more every week that this is so um, applicable because so many of us, Father, are just dealing with drama in our lives. There are many here this morning who have made you their Lord and who are followers of Jesus. But even as followers of Jesus, we find that this drama just seems to still crop up in our lives. Some of it's external and we have no control of it. But some of it, it just seems to be that every relationship we find ourselves in, every situation, this same thing seems to happen. Maybe it's because, Lord, we've never taken a step back and looked at ourselves and said, now, what part of this is me? 
What part of this is something that I could change in myself? What can I learn from that experience? Yes, he was awful. And yes, she, she treated me badly. And yes, this was a terrible job. But, but what can I learn about myself through, through that stage? What can I own? What can I change so that my future will be better than my past? Help us this week, Lord, as we try to figure that out. And we come back next week to learn how to process that. In Jesus' name, amen.